What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. It is Wednesday, May 29th, 2019, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Gabriel. How you doing? Happy Wednesday. It's Wednesday, I think, right? Yes. <laughs> it Happy is hump day. day. Yeah, we are getting day. over the hump. We are almost back to another UFC weekend, a big fight weekend, so... It is good. Natalie, what is up? Man, I, uh, you know, I work from home, but I still feel like I'm uh, recovering from Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> I didn't really do much, but I don't know, man. I still haven't, got, I haven't gotten back in the groove of things yet. How, uh, how, did it, how did it hit you? You know what? I never could work from home. I mean, I do a bit, like, just for the MMA stuff, but I just... No, I, I need to be in an office or something. I, I, I just can't separate. I always, when I work from home, I always feel like I have to be doing something and that's not healthy. So I, I, I don't know how you do it. Um, it hit me it, yesterday, hit me a little more because ironically, I worked straight through Memorial Day weekend on my non-MMA stuff. And um, yeah, actually, Tuesday was my first day off and it was like, yo, I feel a little... I'm tired, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, it's like, I'm ready for a break. I'm ready to sit back and just binge some Netflix or something. So it's been one of those weeks for me. But um, look, we are getting going. This week is a nice little precursor to an absolutely stacked week next week with a very, very exciting pay-per-view. So, you know, I, I guess I, to say that things are still warming up. Next week, they're really going to pop, as, especially as we kind of, I know we still have a few weeks after, but it's kind of like our kickoff to the summer where we have so many of these big stacked events and we're expecting a lot. So let's get it started. There's no fights to recap, but we do have MMA news. So the first story, Uriah Faber coming out of retirement. He is going to be fighting Ricky Simone in July in Sacramento. Natalie, Hall of Famer. Long career, held the title in WEC, had a lot of shots at it in the UFC. What are your thoughts on Uriah Faber making the comeback, though? You know what? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm actually kind of excited to see what he's got. He's he's the, the youngest-looking 40-year-old on earth. I mean, the guy doesn't age. More than Romero? Oh, no, not more than Romero. No. I mean, I'm sorry. So second, but... <laughs> second on earth. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was like, uh, Natalie, did you forget that dude? And, and fighters. Who if we'll we're talk talking... about in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking non-fighters, I have to include Halle Berry and J-Lo because they look amazing at like 50. And I don't even know how old Halle Berry is, but she looks incredible. So She's going to yeah. look good. Like it, one day when she's 90 and possibly in the casket, she's you're still going to say, dang, she still look fine. Yeah, people <laughs> are going to feel bad that such a young woman died, you know, like, yeah. such a, yeah, so early. But... <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, Faber looks good for his age. I'll say that. He's never yeah. had any surgeries, never major injuries. He's like so positive. And I think that actually counts a lot. He has this newborn, you know, presumably that gives him the dad motivation. So I actually have zero issues with him coming back because I think he's super level-headed. He's not going to stick around if things go south quickly on his after his return. 
you know, we saw Chad Mendez come back. He had a win. Then he kind of lost, you know, to not kind of lost. He lost to Volkanovski. He was doing okay. And then he just got overrun. And I, I suspect he realized that the game had passed him by. He didn't want to want to dedicate his whole life to playing catch up in the UFC. I think Faber is going to come back with his, with his big eyes wide open. He's not going to let ego get in the way. So that's why I'm excited because it's going to be like a very sensible return. But Ricky Simone's no joke, right? Uh, when he fought um, Ronnie Yaya, I picked I picked Yaya to win. Totally wrong there. Ricky Simone was fighting at a really crazy pace. He had this like wild animal energy. It was very exciting to see. So I think Faber Faber's got his hands full here. But but let's do it. I'm ready. What do you think? You know, it's interesting because when I first read it, the thing that hit me was like, Uriah, you just, you used a great phrase, playing catch up. At this stage, you know, I don't see Uriah getting past the Jimmy Rivera's, the Aljamain's, the Asun Sao's a bit, you know, to get back to a title shot and then taking out these young killers now who are doing a work in a Cejudo and a Marlon Moraes. Um, so at first I was like, Uriah, you know, you're a big name. You're st- he's still the man. I, I still have Uriah Faber, uh, top five, all-time my favorites. And I never change it for the new school. I kind of always separate it. Who's my all-time and then who's right now? Uriah Faber's on my all-time list, and I've never bumped him off of it. He has always been that guy. So for me, when I talk, when you talk about a comeback, it's like, what are you, what are you coming back for? Because if there's not a possibility to put together a run to get to the title, what are you really doing this for? Now, with hindsight, with a little bit of time to think about it, the thing that hit me is like, you know, we need to talk to Uriah. And if he says, look, you know, if a title shot happens, it happens, but I just want to take it one fight at a time. I feel healthy. I just want to go out there and do this because I miss it. I love it. And I still can. And I'm not getting embarrassed out there. Okay. I'm good with that. If he's saying one fight at a time, if I feel like I really am too losing a step, I will take myself out of it. Then by all means, I'm good with it. He's an exciting fighter. He brings it. He is a showman. I am there for that. But I also want to be realistic. If Uriah starts saying... I think I could take out Cejudo. I think I could take out Marais and these top three guys and get another title shot. I have to be a little more measured with my expectations. That's my only thing about it. But look, I love Uriah. I think he's great. And I think that if he's here to take it one fight at a time, I'm all for it. But once again, like we just saw Polaris over the weekend, 17-year-old guy in kid in jiu-jitsu, you know, coming up and shocking the UFC veteran. That kind of thing makes you say, Uriah, you know, are we sure? But I also trust his judgment. I do think he's preparing well, so I'm excited for it. And I also think July is Sacramento is the perfect place for him. Yeah, perfect spot. And at the very least, he'll have fun. And I'm sure that's that's probably mostly what he's hoping for. Of course, he wants to win, but I think he's coming back into the uh, the octagon with a, a lighter heart. And uh, yep. so it should be interesting. No, I agree. So we are looking forward to it. That fight happening, Faber versus Simone in July in Sacramento. Great card in California. 
Moving on to our next story, the happiest Cuban in the UFC, Yoel Romero, wins the lawsuit against Gold Star Supplements, Natalie Zamudio. I read this number. I almost fell off the couch. $27 million for proving that they were responsible for tainting the supplements and knowing about it is their argument. Yoel Romero walks out with a big bag of cash. How does he get a number like $27 million? Um, not to get into specifics, but he received $3 million for damages, $3 million for other factors, considering. And because it's in- they have a law that says they multiply that amount. That is how you turn roughly $9 million into $27. Absolutely insane. Um, look, Yo Romero... I- if I lose to Paulo Costa in August, it doesn't feel that bad anymore. What are your thoughts on, you know, the Yo Romero story? Yeah, a couple of things. I'm I'm looking at all my vitamins right now, all my supplements, <laughs> just to see what's up. Anything looks fishy. Uh, no one's yep. testing me, but hey, why not? <laughs> hey, just call Usada. Like, hey, Usada, I live at dot dot yeah. dot. Just come to. Can you come roll through real quick? <laughs> I swear I could be a UFC fighter one day, Usada. Just test me. But uh, listen, man, it sounds great. It's just like, are they actually going to pay out? That's what I want to know. If it's yeah. some random vitamin company that's doing this funny business with their supplements. Hey, man, I hope he gets something. I hope he gets part of it. Um, so, so apart from waiting to find out when, if he actually gets the payout, it's exciting news. And it's like, What's funny to me is that that number is a lot is high, but when you think about yep. what you know other professional fighters make in a year, it's still low. And and this is something Yoel got through a lawsuit from a vitamin mm-hmm. company. So it just reminds me how you know obviously bigger conversation, but it just reminds me how underpaid these awesome fighters are. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> good for him. He has you know that yes the youthful physique amazing uh um what do you call those things traps <laughs> yeah i mean i always say the first time if you remember what was it like that infamous open workout he had for the whitaker fight where everyone was like man he's sculpted like hercules i was like that's what i what i've been trying to tell people i look like with my shirt off i just you know i'm not as comfortable in you know my skin as romero to just take it off and work out like that you know what i mean so you got to get on some no, of those I gold star that. supplements, man. I know, but like, I just, uh, Romero does it for the both of us. You know, I have my interview with him and I say, hey, man, it's good to meet my twin finally. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, all, all joking aside, uh, one, obviously, Romero, if he gets paid, lunch on him. And um, I'm look, keep in mind legal fees, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he's not going to just put $27 million in his bank account. But he's walking away with a pity penny. That is not a small number, no matter who you are. My thing, if I look at it now, you know, with distance, if I'm a UFC fighter, I really hope that it actually doesn't have a little bit of a, a what's counterproductive effect. So, for example, let's say you do get hit for tainted supplements. The last thing I want is for guys to be like, you know what? I'm going to be less disciplined because maybe I could get the Romero deal. 
especially if I'm fighting in New York or New Jersey. You know what I mean? So I think that is my first big like hang up. Like, hey, now, like, let's uh, let's not just, you know, start hitting the GMC and everything and taking whatever is on the shelf and not thinking about it. That's my one thing. But I also would hope that this is a positive sign to fighters that like, hey, you are still if you are honestly being wrong by the system and it is not your fault, you can still walk out of this, you know, in good shape. So I would hope it has that effect and it doesn't just have, you know, respectfully men and women like Natalie saying, you know what, just give me all of it. You know, let's hope something comes up positive. I'm ready to win 27. Yeah, give me a cocktail of uh, all your best, your best supplements, and let's see what happens. Um, yeah, just hit up the local pharmacy. <laughs> you know, got the shady guy behind the counter. Give me everything. Yeah, no. put it to my vein. Like guys, like guys, it doesn't always work out. 27 million. Be careful now. <laughs> that would be my one. That's my one hang up about it. But look, obviously, when you see a guy like Romero, get that good sign. If you've been wrong and you think you can prove it well. I think that that is really going to reinvigorate fighters, feel better about the system and getting justice. Yeah, good on him for, for taking legal action. I didn't didn't know he had done it. I don't know if it was had may, ever made the news that he was suing that company. Um, you know, you don't know until you, unless you try, and, and it worked out in his favor. So I do think uh, he deserves some kudos for uh, yeah. for taking it to the next level, not just letting them get away with it. I feel like these things so often you feel like they just kind of flow out into the ether. They become a headline on Twitter that you don't read the article because something bigger happened, you know. So I think that that's, you know, that's a good sign because of the amount, because it's Romero. So, yeah, a lot of fun stuff going on. Look, there's not a lot. Nobody got hurt, thankfully. But, of course, that makes it so we don't have a big headline to break on the show. No other, besides Faber, no real big fights have been announced that I think are going to get fans excited. So let's go ahead and revisit. Let's check in with everybody's favorite Irishman. Conor McGregor posted the picture, the hand and the cast. He's saying he got hurt sparring. Um, Obviously, we're all asking, why are you sparring? Why don't you actually sign a fight? Then we'll feel better about you getting hurt in training. But so that comes up. Um, people were thinking, can we see Connor this summer? This obviously moves him indefinitely toward the fall or winter if he does make the comeback. And a little, lot of little stuff going on with him. Ariel Helwani releasing that one of the big hangups to a Connor McGregor comeback is the new ESPN pay-per-view system. Connor makes a ton of money on pay-per-view, and this new system essentially loses him money, and he wants to get that back end paid off for him by UFC. So he's working with them to get that money that he's losing back in his pocket. But Natalie, so he's injured a bit. We're still waiting to see who, when, where. It is May. He has not fought since November. His suspension is up, I think, in June. What, where do you stand today on a Conor McGregor comeback? I still want to see Conor fight. Uh, but, but when you look at the lightweight division, the top of the division, it's so good. There's no easy return for him, no matter the matchup. So I kind of wish he had just come back sooner and fought whoever, gotten a tune-up fight. I mean, I guess he couldn't, right, because of suspension. So I'll take that yeah. back. But, but, you know, for his sake, I wish he had been able to. Um, mm-hmm. 
I get it though, as far as this pay-per-view ESPN UFC hangup, you know, why, why go through all of that mind and body, all the training, all the trauma for anything less than you're worth. Like he is still a, a big name. He's still worth a lot to the sport of MMA. And it sucks now that the UFC, now that they don't really need fighters to make like the fighter names, or they don't need stars to get eyeballs because they just, they don't need eyeballs, period, right? They're getting their, their money for every pay-per-view guaranteed, at least a certain to a certain amount. So as long as they can keep ESPN happy, that's all that matters right now, which is so sort of weird. So I'm very curious to know how far apart Connor and the UFC are on negotiating a deal, you know, and, and who's going to, who's going to blink first, right? That's what I would like to know. I think it would probably have to be Connor because what's the incentive now for the UFC? 500,000 guaranteed every pay-per-view. I mean, just doesn't like what they have no reason to, to, to bend. I don't know. Let me see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, two things. Uh, the biggest thing with uh, uh, Connor, when you talk about well, the money and all that, when you really do elevate the brand as much as he does, look, does he need to stay out of trouble? Absolutely, and he knows that, and anyone who talks about him knows that. But you know, you put butts in the seats, you make that. If when you are the LeBron James, that person that sells for a franchise and a team. You are entitled to make more than the other guys. Yeah. You know, sorry, not sorry. You know, that's how this, that's how entertainment, sports entertainment business works. Now, the way I've been looking at it is that if you're Connor, let's say it like it is, you haven't won a fight since you beat Eddie Alvarez coming up on three years. You are in the lightweight division with killers like Cowboy, Tony, Habib, Dustin. Um, Justin Gaethje's on a nice run right now. All of those are not easy fights for Connor, no matter how many ways you split it. They can bang with him. They have great ground games. They are arguably all better on the ground than Connor. Um, so, look, if you are coming back, if you're Connor McGregor, at a certain point, you do need to win these fights to keep making that money, no matter, you know, how big of a name and how well you talk. That's the one hangup I have is like, you know, is Connor feeling like a Justin Gaethje fight is worth it? If you're going to lose, would you rather lose to a top contender or would you rather lose in a title fight? Connor, let's say Dustin beats Habib. Connor versus Dustin. Dustin, I think, beats Connor right now, 155. But, you know, now suddenly, hey, the storyline Dustin wants revenge, big money. If I'm Connor, why fight Justin Gaethje or someone like that when I could fight another UFC title fight and just wait for Poirier? I think that business-wise, that's what you got to look at, especially when you look at the risk involved. Secondly, in terms of um, the money and the timing, I really think that you just have to... We're going to use him as a great example going forward because if this is how business is now, who if these big stars are selling you, you know, above that half a million are they getting paid on the back end the second that half a million is surpassed are you making your same money like you used to be i think that's what all of the pay-per-view point fighters in ufc need to be asking i think that they're almost waiting a bit to see if connor 
gets the deal done and then they get that compensation because if you prove you are still selling it out you really should be getting your money's worth and i think all the champions feel that way it's not just about you know hey being the champ this is a business guys get hurt and there are risks every day in the sport so it's not unfair for these guys to say i want my fair compensation because i could you know trip and hurt my knee or the arm the ankle and suddenly you know that's it on my major paydays and i need to set up my money for life if i'm the one you know going out there so i get it it is complicated i do want to see him back um i would like to see him uh, i wouldn't be surprised if he tries to wait for the to see if dustin can upset habib i think that's a possibility outside of that i really don't think that unless he gets a really good style fight that could build him up into a habib rematch that he's going to come back i think that the risk is just too high and he will never say that but he's aware of that he's aware that these are killers he's aware that's a big, big risk if you're not in a title fight for your legacy reputation marketability that's where i stand on conor I'm sorry. That was a long answer, but I really want to make sure I express it because I know our fans love when we talk about it. <laughs> no, man, that was great. I mean, I'm I'm with you. He uh, he's too smart not to know what's at stake, and and that's probably why they're they're still at odds. Also, Khabib, if Khabib doesn't want to fight him, and that's at least that's what I keep hearing that that's the one he wants. If Khabib is not interested, that doesn't help Connor's case either. So he's gonna have to take somebody to not Khabib who's, you know, anyone not Khabib is probably more willing to fight him. Why wouldn't they be? But yeah, then it's like, okay, now it's a less big fight and they're probably still at odds on, on, on terms. So who knows, man, but I just want to see him fight already. Let's figure this out, guys. Just pay the man. Let me ask you, this is going to be a question that really is very realistic. Let's say Dustin upsets Habib. And Connor says he's willing to fight Dustin. Do you think that Connor would jump ahead of the cowboy Tony Ferguson? Oh yeah, definitely. I part of me agrees with you, but I hate that because I feel like at the end of the day, um, these top, the big four, Habib, Dustin, Tony, Cowboy, they're active. They are doing what you're supposed to do. They're actually fighting the fights to prove they're the best. I know Connor is up there. I know he sells pay-per-views. I know my barber and everyone there will talk about him like they won't talk about other people. But I would rather see the fight with the Tony or Cowboy fight the Dustin Habib. But that's another thing. That's Look, that is the business we're in. You cannot turn down a Connor McGregor payday. It is that good. It is that you know, it is not the carrot. It is the egg from the golden goose if you fight in the lightweight division to get that kind of money. Especially if you take him out, which a lot of these guys can do, if you ask me. Yeah, man. He's got, there's, yeah, there's no easy fight. He's, he's at, at just as much risk as anybody else against anybody else in that top five. Like, they're all just, <laughs> it's just somebody amazing is always going to lose when you, when you look at the top five. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely, but yeah, until then, we will wait and see when and if we will have Conor McGregor back in the octagon in 2019. So, Natalie, it is coming up. By the end of the week, it will be June. We are just coming up on summer. 
So I thought because next week's show is going to be so stacked, it's a ridiculous card. We're going to have fights to recap again. I wanted us to go ahead and talk about the best of spring in MMA. So spring starts at around March. So we've had quite a few fights and quite a few headlines and events to really break down and talk about. But as we really kick off the summer season, let's look back on some of the big moments of the last few months. So, Natalie, I'm going to toss it to you. What have been some of your highlights of the spring and quarter in MMA? There have been some really awesome moments in, uh, in the cage this spring. I think one of the more recent ones was um, Lima versus MVP. That yep. was a heck of a knockout, man. <laughs> he, just, he just took his legs out from him and whacked him and then finished him, and it was super cool especially with you know, the MVP hype. So that was awesome. Yep. I think the Iaquinta Cerrone fight is just an awesome cowboy performance. And then like, if you, if you listen to, um, I think it was Hawani show, uh, Iaquinta yep. was on talking about it and he's, you know, just super honest. And he's like, you know, Cerrone just beat me up. He just beat the heck out of me and that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, broken nose, broken orbital. That was, that was awesome. Uh, and then the the big one for me, or the biggest one for me, Holloway Poirier. Specifically, there's a moment where Holloway's sitting on the stool. I think it's before the fourth or fifth round starts. He's sitting on the stool. Poirier's already on his feet. Holloway looks up. He sees that Poirier's ready to go. He jumps to his feet. He starts like pointing at the at the at the, uh, at the mat, like let's go. And it's just seeing that you know Holloway is already beaten. He'd already been like thoroughly beaten at that point, but he still had that street fighter mentality and he didn't want to look weak. And I really love that moment. Uh, so those are some of the highlights for me. What about you, man? Yeah. I mean, from the bottom up, there's been a lot of good stuff. I think that, um, you know, we talk uh, for one, I always feel like women's MMA, that's the one that like, we're looking to get that kickoff. And let's be honest, that's what made Rhonda so special there have been a lot of girls who kick butt and arguably everybody out there is so skilled and talented um, more so than we saw Rhonda display, you know, when she was on a tear, but having that X factor that it's like, you know what? I want to watch that girl has been a challenge and we've seen a lot of girls do well, but they just don't get that. They just don't generate the steam. That is why I think the Kayla Harrison hype is a lot of fun to watch. People who, you know, which doesn't even fight in UFC, but she's that girl that people are putting their, you know, you know, keeping their eye on. So to see her have that uh, PFL debut and now it's the storyline. Now she has to overcome, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say adversity yet because I still felt it was re- really one-sided, but it's not a going to be a landslide she now has to develop she has to show us she's going to be that person uh, against these more experienced and bigger athletes so i really like that i think that it's nice to finally have i I think it's nice to have it because i feel like we were looking for that in Mackenzie dern we're looking to see if rose namayunas was gonna get that going but i feel like harrison just has is she's checking all the boxes right now and i think that is really exciting um in terms of the fights uh i know that ufc with brazil and jessica andrage taking out rose was on the same night but that one chandler and uh pitbull 
that whole card had some good performances from the Lima knockout to all these guys, AJ McKee doing well, Pitbull becoming a double champion. That one, you know, low-key, it was a great performer for this spring. And then to go back to the big highlight, I would say my biggest one is Gastelum versus Adesanya. Look, we have a lot of style matchups. Uh, you know, you have the Justin Gaethje knockout. You have these other guys who have a good finish. That was just one of those first fights in a while that was just sublime. You finally had, the, you know, a big name dude that you hope delivers, and he delivered in Adesanya. You had Kelvin Gastelum, absolute warrior. I really feel exercised a lot of demons and a lot of the criticism people have always had about him in that fight. And so to have that one, especially the fifth round, where Kelvin seemed to be uh, rallying back and Adesanya just really, you know, clutch comes through in that fifth round to shut him down and take that decision. That, to me, was the best fight we've had in a while. And uh, that, to me, just stands out as, you know, it's still going to be hard to top it. And I think what's exciting, we feel like we might get it next Saturday with Tony and uh, Cowboy, possibly. So to know that we're having that kind of time in MMA, I think it's fun. I think the fact that we're getting excited, that's exactly what you want if you're the UFC and if you're an MMA fan. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you just mentioned, reminded me that Ferguson Cerrone is around the corner and God almighty, that's going to be ridiculous. Like I can already imagine the bloody faces, the stare off, you know, in the, in the cage. Like I can just anticipate how intense that fight's going to be. So, oh Lord. <laughs> yeah, the, the, let's, so here's what you got to do. You got to pull out your candle of Brian Ortega looking like Jesus and you got to light it and you got to hope that not only does nobody get injured, but that they actually go 15 minutes and not just catch each other with a big punch in 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, definitely. My uh, gosh, that stuff like that happens in MMA. People. That would be as much as I love both fighters and, and don't wish them to be harmed. It would be disappointing to see a really quick finish. Um, I'm talking like Connor Aldo, 13 seconds. But, you know, even if it's a first round finish, as long as it's not that early, I think I'll be okay with it. Um, like as long as they just collide <laughs> and give you a few minutes of that good action, right? Yeah, man. What's uh? Oh Lord, you know sometimes uh, when I we talk not you we but like when I think about fighters and like don't you ever get that weird feeling like uh, <laughs> kind of like we're sickos for wanting these people <laughs> for enjoying so much people fighting in a cage? I don't know. You know, the, I think the weird thing for me is when you want to say, like, bro, I want to see you get beaten up by him and you beat him up at the same time. Because yeah. it's like, but I think they get it. They're like, it's like, bro, I want to see you throw down with him. That'd be good TV. And then he's like, you know, uh, more often they'll kind of look at me and be like, that is going to be good TV, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so I, I get over it. They know what they're in. And I think the fact that you want to see them compete, that's exactly, you know, they don't think of it that way, which I think is a refreshing thing. Because imagine if they were like, you mean you want to see me get hurt a little bit for your entertainment? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, and that's how you know if you're a fighter or not, because I think I would be like, um, excuse me, just uh, for you? No. But someone who's yeah. a born fighter would be like, yeah, hell yeah, let's scrap. So <laughs> there you go. You know, they bring out the Max Holloway. Yep. 
But yeah, no, so good stuff. I think that, um, look, it's very possible we round out this list next week, especially with two title fights on that card also. So we'll have plenty to discuss for next week's show with that card. But since it is another quick show, I decided we could have another bit of fun. So Natalie, I know you are so cinematically knowledged. You love pop culture. You love film and action just like the rest of us so there are a lot of fight movies now to specify anything goes so it's not just you know a biopic it's not just like you know has to be traditional we have decided you can put blood sport in there mortal Kombat is eligible just a combat sports movie is up for this so i thought we would toss it out who can impress each other with the better list (laughs) ladies first what do you have for me that stands out as your movie okay i have three categories so sit down if you aren't already seated okay so my my classic favorites aka you know the ones that age me because i was you know alive when they came out uh rocky four that's my number one I freaking love that movie. I love the soundtrack. I'm going to reveal a, a trade secret in quotation marks here. Sometimes when I'm going to driving to an interview, you know, and I'm trying to pump myself up, I'll put on the old Rocky Four soundtrack <laughs> just to get a little motivated. So, like the training montage song? The, it's a, yeah, training song. montage. There's the uh, Hearts on Fire song. There's uh, okay. No Easy Way Out. I have Tiger, which, you know, is in four, but I think it came out in t- two or three. I can't remember when it debuted. Three, yeah. Well, I freaking love that movie, man. I know some people think it's the cheesy one, but but that's the one that came out um, that I was like old enough to like appreciate when it came out. And the uh, USA versus Russia still still can't, still can't get enough of that, and we're sort of you know full circle on that as far as the world goes. But uh, I freaking love Rocky Four. I know a lot of the lines. My family and I used to watch it all the time. After that, gotta go with Karate Kid, the first one. Uh, also love the uh, the uh, You're the Best Around song from Karate Kid <laughs> by Joe Bean Esposito, in case anybody wants to know. Um, and then, I don't know, man, if this counts as classic favorite, but it was long enough I go, ago, I think. I'm going to throw Kill Bill in there. Oh. Um, so, you know, I know that they're not, no one's ever getting into a ring for sanctioned combat, but, but uh, what's her name? Uma Thurman is fighting everybody in all manner of, of style. And uh, I, I love that movie, too. I love Quentin Tarantino. So those are my classic favorites. I have one in a category that I've deemed uh, fun and random. Yeah. This movie is called Undefeatable. Oh. I don't know if anyone even knows about it. I think it came out in, like, 90, early 90s, 93. Uh-huh. Dude, you got to YouTube this. Everyone listening, please YouTube Undefeatable. This is what happened. I was home one day watching tv in the old days i I didn't grow up with cable so i was just watching regular Uh tv so it was airing on probably channel 13 or something and to tell you how long ago it was i saw this movie it had already started i was channel surfing and i was like oh my god this is amazing i grabbed a vhs tape shoved it in the recorder in the in the vcr and hit record so i could you know memorex this moment forever it is the craziest karate movie I've ever seen. It's super cheesy. All the actors are like actually legit karate uh, practitioners. And so their acting skills are terrible. 
<laughs> it is so much fun. It is so crazy, dude. Look, I can't, I can't like hype it up enough. But to say, like, you just gotta go YouTube it. Undefeatable. You won't be disappointed. Okay, moving on. Uh, as far okay. as new favorites, there's a movie that Luke Thomas recommended a while ago called A Prayer Before Dawn. It's a beautiful movie, man. It's like a, it's like a really beautiful piece of cinema. It's about a British like Muay Thai fighter, I think, who gets imprisoned in Thailand. And the way it's shot, he doesn't understand the language very well. And so we're put in that perspective where, where we don't get subtitles because we're learning the way he's learning. All kinds of terror, terrible things happen in the prison that he's stuck in. And he has this really incredible journey. And uh, so that's a really strong movie. And then I told you last week that my fiance and I were going to try to watch John Wick 1, 2, and 3. And? and you know what? We did it, man. We did all of them. Yeah. So that's what happened on Memorial Day weekend. And I can't believe I've missed out on John Wick uh, for all these years. These are incredible, incredible movies. The, the fight choreography is ridiculous. So if anyone hasn't seen them or hasn't seen three yet, go go check it out. And uh, that's my list, man. What's What do you got? I want to hear it. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to talk about your list. You got a lot of fun stuff. I got a lot of fun stories for you. Um, I, I, I love Karate Kid. I was, uh, you might have been older. I was like at that right age where I'm still a kid seeing Karate Kid. And um, it was, that was a great one for me. Uh, fun story on um, with the Rocky Four. Uh, that one that one's up there. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't appreciate it as much as some of the other Rockies. But what was cool was this past December, people will know that I'm also the in-cage and backstage reporter for Smash Global. And one of our celebrity special guests was Dolph Lundgren. And Creed 2 was still out in theaters. So it was like, oh, my God, this is epic right now. Dude. So um, that was cool to be able to just say, like, hey, you know, I like the movie and you know, no one even has to ask him which one he's talking about. But uh, yeah, that, so you have a, quite the list. I'm impressed. Um, I feel like I have to. The thing about this category is that, you know, what's campy and what's legit? Because there's so many. Look, there's so many fight movies out there. There's a lot of kung fu and good stuff out there. Um I think that in terms of classic, I have always been partial to Enter the Dragon. I am a big Bruce Lee fan. I just really respect that, you know, uh, this is going to be a weird comparison. But to me, he is like the Stan Lee of martial arts in that Stan, you know, comic book artist. He did his thing and he built something really special with all the characters, right? But he came to Hollywood so he could go from not just being the comic book artist, but to being the businessman and the entertainment mogul and turn Marvel into what it is. That to me is Bruce Lee from martial arts. He was legit about his training, the technique, the discipline, and learning, being a true martial artist in terms of the craft, right? And then you go to Hollywood and you turn it into a whole next level type of machine. And you are the guy for it. So that to me, you know, that movie, um, uh, Trade Secret, I actually, you know, used to train and practice um, with nunchucks officially. Um, I don't just sit around and spin with them. I still can do a lot of the tricks and other stuff with them. So that to me, you know, see Bruce Lee doing that one 
was epic, and that one always stands out to me. Um, I have a lot of low-key just favorites on the list. Um, I really liked uh, The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg. Mm. I thought that one just beautifully done. Every so often, I'll watch that movie. And there's a lot of good stuff. Um, I mean, Creed had some great boxing and training, and I liked that it was a new school adaptation but the one that I always go to for MMA is actually Warrior. Mm. If you have seen it. Yeah. That one was honestly the most true to life MMA movie that there's been, I think. Um, Tom Hardy. This was before he was Bane. So I like that we kind of got to appreciate him as just, you know, the character. Whereas now, respectfully, I feel like you see him, if he does anything, he's a great actor, don't get me wrong, but you see Venom, you see Bane, you see Batman. At this point, he was still just that dude, and I think that made the performance better. Joel Edgerton's character, I've always had a crush on Jennifer Morrison from House and Once Upon a Time, and she looked fine in that movie. So to me, that one just always stands out. And then the storylines and the presentation was clearly done by someone who not only understood, but was a fan and appreciated MMA. That movie always stands out as the number one MMA movie to me. And just absolutely on my list for a long time. You know what? I've seen that movie, but it's been a while. And so the way you're talking about it makes me think I got to go. Re- I got to go watch it again. So I might do that this weekend. There you go. <laughs> what are you doing right now? You got, I got to- <laughs> No, I'm going to rewatch Undefeatable. Topics, but go get That's this. what I'm going to do. <laughs> Undefeated, but you've already seen Undefeatable a lot. I've only seen the, the last, uh, I don't know how long it is, but I never, I've never seen the beginning because I only had the VHS copy, so I missed like the first 15 minutes. What? Yeah, I've never, I don't have the first 15 minutes on my VHS. You gotta find that. Come on, the internet is your friend. Yeah, I could probably buy the DVD, space. but like, then I gotta put it in the DVD player, man. That's, that's like asking a lot these days. Ay, 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 I am disappointed. <laughs> no, okay, well, we'll get you, you know, somebody get Natalie some DVDs, people. Send it to her. Send her some links. Maybe it's on, uh, maybe I can download it, because if I can stream Undefeatable, I'll do it right now. Oh, look, it's on, uh, yeah, I guess it is on, I guess the full thing's on YouTube, actually, now that I'm looking at it. There you go. Yeah, you could, you didn't even I have to, even like, have to, yeah, spend money. Your phone doesn't even have to go off. The show will end, and you could just hit fire Dude, up. Dude, I promise you, just check it out. Go watch a trailer. Go watch a clip. Like, it's going to blow your mind. Undefeatable. Yeah. Got it. Undefeatable. <laughs> All right. So we do still have some fights, guys. We are not just, we're not forgetting about the action in Sweden. Let's round it out. You have Alexander Gustafsson back home in Stockholm, taking on Anthony Lionheart-Smith. There's been a lot of talk where these two guys at in their career mentally um, in terms of making another run. Natalie, where do you, how do you see this fight going down? You know what, man? I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't thinking too much about this fight until I saw Anthony Smith doing the interview rounds yesterday, I guess, specifically the MMA hour. He was talking to Luke Thomas and his message was super simple and clean and he got me fired up for it. You know, he's not thinking about winning or rankings. He just wants to perform. He just wants to get in into a, he's supposed to get into a fight, man. He wants to punch, kick, grapple with Alex. 
he's talking about how he left that John Jones fight with a really sick feeling in his stomach. He didn't he didn't get that energy out of his system. He turned his back yep. on his natural instincts. You know, he tried to be too technical. So I think the shift in his mindset, to me, it's exciting to hear about it. He's so honest, right? We've seen him in interviews. He's very honest, very open. So this fight is very significant for both fighters, right? They're both coming off losses to Jones. Especially mm-hmm. Gustafson hasn't had any luck in title fights. Not that this is one, but I think he needs a boost. So I'm super eager to see how he performs, how Gustafson responds. Um, I don't know. Alex, Alex, he says he's never lost in the other uh, fight in the Erickson Globe. He says he's never, he's never lost there, but he did lose in his home country once against Rebel Johnson, and it was pretty devastating. I don't know if he still thinks yeah. about that, but I still think about it. So... Let's see. I uh, I haven't fully decided on on a on a my pick. I'm leaning towards Smith, but I don't know yet. Uh, but but I am excited to see really what Smith has to uh, how he fights, how he shows up mentally. What do you uh, What are you thinking? There's no playing the fence. You have to have your pick by the time I get done with my analysis. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, uh, look, it's a very Fun fight. I think that's the thing is that people probably aren't getting excited about this one because they're coming off the losses to Jones. I hate to say this so bluntly, but every now and then you got to not count these things because John Jones is such a different dude. He's just, he really is that guy that just because he's in the cage, been head and shoulders ahead of the competition shouldn't mean that you don't get excited about these guys just because they couldn't you know, make it over that, you know, make it over Everest. Yeah, of course You know not. what I mean? Yeah. So I think that people are sleeping on this one. Uh, Gustafson performs well at home, and he's a fighter who brings it. The same for Anthony Smith. I think to me, in terms of um, if Gustafson's healthy, if Anthony's bringing it, then I think that it comes down to the firepower versus the technicality. I think that Anthony Smith, I'm going to say a lot of things I said about the John Jones fight. Kicks, hamper the mobility. You got to do some forward pressure. You got to really make it a little ugly. If you're Alexander Gustafsson, you know, a lot of the same things. Kicks to keep him at range, really keep make him feel like he can't step forward with that power and use your reach. You really got to just keep him at the end of punches, slow him down until you have the openings to really string together longer combinations. That's how you, you know, get past a guy who carries so much power in Anthony. Now, in terms of mental and where these guys both at, we are hearing more from Anthony, so I feel like you lean toward him, but I do think that Alexander Gustafsson at this stage of his career really does appreciate, you know, these moments. He does realize that he's headlining in Sweden. More losses means that he's not the man in his home country anymore. He doesn't want that. I think he's going to be fired up and motivated. I think at the end of the day, this is a very close fight. Anthony has the power to take him out. But I actually believe that Gustafsson's going to pull out something special at home. I think that he feels a little more pressure since the Rumble Johnson fight not to have that kind of egg in Sweden. So I think that he's going to come out and I think that he's going to put it all together he's gonna avoid the power and he's gonna outpoint anthony smith for a decision. yeah i mean he's definitely the favorite i think he's at like minus 325 or something so uh, and yeah. and with that in mind and since you're forcing my hand man 
I'm gonna still I'm gonna still go follow my lean. I'm gonna lean in on my lean and go Anthony Smith. Um, I just think it's gonna come down to heart, and I think he's gonna pull it out. Do you see him getting the finish, or do you think it's gonna go? To I two? think he'll get the finish. Actually, are they going? They're going five, right? Yeah, yeah I guess so, right? Yep. Yeah, I don't think it'll go to five. I would say maybe three or four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, so there we go. We are split. I'm going with Gus. Anthony, sorry, Natalie is going with Anthony. So it will be a lot of fun stuff to talk about next week. Uh, it is Wednesday, so I'm assuming by next week's show, we are going to have a lot to talk about with recaps and news and breakdowns. But next week, it is UFC 238, two title fights, plus the lightweight showdown. Uh, Natalie, before I let you go, what are you most looking forward to talking about next week? Valentina Shevchenko. Even though your sister, <laughs> sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Even though I don't think it's going to be much of a mm, challenge for her, I still just love seeing her be like a Terminator in the cage. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, but but hey, man, Sahudo Marais, that is a killer matchup. Marais to me is a terrifying 135er. And after his debut, which was kind of like whatevs, he, he really turned himself on. And he's just been, um, like, unstoppable. So I'm very, very curious. to. I want to, you know, dig in, watch some fights on both of those guys so we can really dig in on that. I'm excited. You know, it's a funny thing because I feel like that is the uh, storyline that we are actually waiting to see is, is Henry – all that in a bag of chips if he wants to move up to 135 because Marais has just been on fire. And then, you know, I hate to say it so simply, but we love the fight between Tony and Cowboy. I feel like there's not much to say. We know who these guys are. It's going to be who brings it, who, you know, which dog prevails in the fight. Yeah. And that's really the be all end all. Don't get me wrong, we're going to watch it, and it's probably going to be the fight we all love from Saturday. But I think it's the storyline is Henry and Marlon. Who do you have more faith in, and is it Marlon, or do you feel like Henry, after beating TJ, after beating Demetrius, moving up to 135, can he be the man there? I think that's going to be the real question, and I will give you guys my thoughts on next week's show. Natalie, it's been a lot of fun. I need to go find Undefeatable. <laughs> I need to send you a iTunes gift of Warrior or something like that. Where can fans find you to talk about fights, movies, and everything you else? You can find me on Twitter at ZamudioRama5, Instagram at ZamudioRama. The old website is thestraightpunch.com. I'm uh, writing for SureDog as well, so go to the uh, SureDog.com website. You'll see some of my stuff there. And uh, I'm around. I'm ready to talk fights. I'm ready to talk movies, pizza, Peru. Combate Americas is going to Peru on Friday. I can't wait. I'm yep. super excited for that. So, yeah, hit me up, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll hit you right back. What about you, man? Fans, you guys know you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. You already know I write for Cageside Press, MMAandCage.net, and all around, and the YouTube channel. Thank you guys for watching. You guys have been watching a lot of my interviews lately, so I appreciate it. But yeah, Double G on TV. Just fill out the word double. Natalie, have a great rest of your week. And guys, we'll be back next week to talk about UFC 238. Bye.